All right, let's go ahead and open our Bibles today to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. We're going to pick up on part 3 of Back to Basics. Um, our verse is 1 Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And of course, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not obey me? The word Lord is kurios, which means he is master, therefore we are servants. Um, it is hypocritical to say he is our Lord, yet we're turning around and disobeying him. And so many today who say they are Christians are walking in disobedience and yet claim him to be Lord. Not possible. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. We should know what we believe, and we should know why we believe it, and I believe we should be able to go to scriptures and prove it. But do this with gentleness and respect. We need to be able to share what we believe with others in gentleness and respect. So in this series, we've already covered basic number one. The only true basis for Christian fellowship is Christ's agape love, which is greater than any of the differences that we possess and without which we have no right to claim ourselves to be Christians. You cannot be a Christian if you do not love. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 John 3, 10, 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Um, if God is love, Therefore, if we are in God, we are in love. So basic number one, we have to love. We have to be born again. Uh, and then that leads into the second basic, the worship of God is spiritual. So Warren Wiersbe, as we said, said the worship, worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. That's what worship is. If we're not submitting all of our nature to God, then we are not worshiping God. Um, and then he, we went on and looked in John 4.20. We talked about Adam and Eve and how that they died spiritually in the garden. So in, other for us, in order for us to be spiritual, we must be born again. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter number 3. Um, you must be born again, Nicodemus. So, basic number one, we're to love. Basic number two, we're to worship. The worship of God is to be spiritual. And then number three, the worship of God is to be inspirational. Um, the worship of God is to be inspirational. In Psalm 150, verse number one, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worship of God should be inspirational. It should inspire us. True worship of God should be inspirational. We're called to inspire, not to expire, as one preacher put it. In Ezekiel, not in Ezekiel, but in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 17, 
So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We should be inspired. Our worship should be inspirational. And I believe that if we're loving each other like we should, I believe that if we're walking in the Spirit, then we're going to be inspired. What's the reverse of that? If you're not walking in love, if you're not walking in the Spirit, no, you're not going to be inspired. You're just sitting there like a bump on a log. You're not going to get in. I didn't get anything out of that service. Well, I wonder why. Are you walking in love? Are you walking in the Spirit? Maybe you're not. But you know, I've sat through some of the worst sermons I've ever heard in my life, and yet I still found something to be inspired about at times. I believe if you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, God will speak to you in the right way. We need to walk in love. We need to walk in the Spirit. And I believe that's when we get inspiration. That's when God speaks to us. When we're walking, oh, I haven't heard anything from God. Well, are you walking in love? Are you walking in the Spirit? Because if you're not doing either one of those, then how are you going to be inspired? That's how God speaks to us. When we're obedient as children, He speaks to us. And that leads to basic number four. The worship of God should be intelligent. It should be intelligent. You know, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who is correctly dividing the word of truth or correctly handling the word of truth. God did not call us to check our brains at the door. Everything a preacher tells you, everything a teacher tells you, you need to be intelligent about it. You need to be a good Berean. You need to go and see if these things be so for yourself. Not because mama said. Not because dad said. Not because the preacher said. Not because the little professor said. Our worship of God should be intelligent. It should be intelligent. We need to present ourselves to God as one that is approved. So that we won't be ashamed. And how do we do that? By rightly dividing, by correctly handling the word of truth, the word of God. You know, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, some people don't like the language of masculine. You know, I'm humored when I hear people say, oh, you got to call her a policewoman or a firewoman. No, she is a fireman. She is a policeman. Why? Because she is a man. We are the race of man. We are human. We are all men. All this political correct mumbo jumbo. We're men. There's nothing wrong with calling us men. And when the Bible uses it in the, quote, masculine, 
He's referring to men, the race of men. So all scripture, even the parts we don't understand. You know, I was talking to a young group of guys the other day when I was in Mississippi, and I was talking about how even the Old Testament prophets and even the apostles wrote about things they did not totally understand. That is only proof that the Word of God is truly inspired, that they still wrote down things. Now, I've read a lot of papers as a teacher that I knew the student had no idea what he was writing. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about men of God who were moved by the Holy Spirit to pen things that they did not completely understand. You know, when Moses penned the Pentateuch and wrote wrote that, uh, you know, we are at enmity, or what does it say? First uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse number... 15 crazy that I can remember the the chapter and verse but not the verse and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel do you think the writer of that knew at the time that that was looking forward to the coming Christ I mean do you think he fully grasped that he fully understand that stood that and I believe that was Moses who penned that Daniel, you know, I mean, he asked about things and the Lord said, don't you worry about that. That'll be revealed in the last time. You just write down what I told you to write. You know, the apostles, you know, I mean, they were totally looking forward to the kingdom being restored, the Davidic, the Abrahamic covenants being fulfilled by Christ at the time of Christ at the first advent. And their writings reflect that. And the fact that that did not happen immediately as they had hoped, as they even presumed that it would have, does not mean the scripture is not inspired. It's even more so proof that the scripture is inspired. In Ephesians chapter number six, Ephesians chapter number, what did I say? Ephesians chapter number six and verse number uh, 13. Ephesians six, verse number 13. Therefore, take up, the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything stand and he says stand therefore having girded your loins with the truth remember you got to worship God in spirit and in truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness that means walking rightly uprightly before God not crooked and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all that, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and look at that, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only offensive weapon there is the word of God. You know, you put that in the modern vernacular, the Marine, you know, he puts on his boots you know, he puts on his cartridge belt. You know, he puts on his flak jacket. He puts on his helmet. None of those are offensive in nature. They are merely defensive to protect him from headshots and vital organ shots. But then he picks up that rifle. That is his offensive weapon. Our offensive weapon, beloved, is the Word of God. Therefore, the worship of God should be intelligent. We need to know what it says. And the older I get, the more shocked I am at how ignorant the average believer is 
about the Word of God. I don't tell people, you know, I used to tell people, well, just, just read the Word of God every day. Reading the Word of God is not enough. You need to study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God that needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of Truth. It's not enough just read it. You need to study it. You need to meditate upon it. You need to know it. You need to know what it is saying. You know, so many, so much ignorance comes from our pulpits. A text out of context is a pretext. And a lot of preachers today are doing pretextual preaching because they're taking a text out of context and making it say something that it doesn't say in the original context. Therefore, the application is wrong. It's just like picking up the Gospels and start preaching on the church or picking up the Gospels and start talking about the rapture of the church. You're twisting the Scriptures, beloved. You know, in Hosea chapter 4, verse number 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Why? Because they have rejected knowledge. I will reject them from being priests before me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, he, I will also forget your children. Now, the interpretation of that, that's not talking to you and me. That's not talking to the church. That's Hosea talking to the people of Israel. And he's telling them, you're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And because you've rejected me, I've rejected you as being priests before me. Why? Because you've forgotten the law of your God. We as believers in Christ, we're not under the law. And I will forget your children. That's talking about the Jewish descendants. Okay, that's the interpretation of that verse. What's the application? He'll do the same thing to us. <laughs> that's the application we are destroyed for lack of knowledge just like the nation of Israel was and because of that we are being rejected because we've forgotten God and therefore God is not able to bless our children that's where our country is right now absolute rat hole just going down the drain why because we are destroyed for lack of knowledge we don't only not have the knowledge we don't want the knowledge The worship of God should be intelligent. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 1 verse number 8. He wrote, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of the affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life. Notice he says, I do not want you to be unaware. What that means is, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand what I went through. What I went through to get the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, in verse number 13, the Apostle Paul again said, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. I want you to know that those who've already died in Christ, they've already proceeded on before us. I don't want you to be ignorant. And yet ignorance, I'm afraid, is the key word in the, in the church today. We're ignorant. We're ignoramuses. That's the word. Ignoramuses. The worship of God should be 
intelligent. I'm going to read this fun, this funny thing to you, and I'll close. A candidate for church membership was asked, what part of the Bible do you like best? He said, well, I like the New Testament best. Then he was asked, well, what book in the New Testament is your favorite? He answered, oh, the book of the parables, sir. And then they asked him to relate one of the parables to the membership committee, and a bit uncertain, he began. Once upon a time, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, and the thorns grew up and choked the man. And he went on and met the queen of Sheba, and she gave that man, sir, a thousand talents of silver and a hundred changes of raiment. And he got in his chariot, he drove furiously as he was driving along under a big tree, his hair got caught in a limb and left him hanging there. And he hung there many days and many nights. The ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink, and one night while he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came along and cut off his hair, and he fell on stony ground. And it began to rain, and it rained forty days and forty nights, and he hid himself in a cave. Later he went on and met a man who said, Come in and take supper with me. But he said, I cannot come in, for I have married a wife. Then the man went out into the highways and the hedges and compelled him to come in. And then he came to Jerusalem and he saw a queen Jezebel sitting high and lifted up on a window of the wall. And when she saw him, she laughed and said, Throw her down here. He said, Throw her down here. And I threw her down. And he said, Throw her down again. And they threw her down seven times seven. And the fragments which they picked up, twelve baskets full. Now, whose wife will she be on the Day of Judgment? The membership committee agreed that this was indeed a very knowledgeable candidate. <laughs> Ignorance. Do not know the Word of God. How many politicians have I heard lately quote the Bible out of context? Amazing how the left knows the Word of God. You know, and they start quoting things out of context and misquoting, twisting it, resting it to their own destruction. It is important to study the Bible because it shows us the right way and the wrong way. In Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. So many errors in the church today because of ignorance of the Word of God. They take a text, they pull it out of context and make it mean something it never meant. The worship of God, my friends, should be intelligent. Intelligent. All scripture is God-breathed. Useful for rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. We need to do our best to present ourselves unto God as people who are approved, workmen who need not to be ashamed, handling the word of truth. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you and wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.